So it's another day we have another session and today we'll be talking about writing as a career. Is there something as that in Tanzania? So that's what we are trying to debunk, the myth that you can't be a writer and make money or writing cannot be a career. And um, before I go to talk about how I know Charlotte, I would just want to say for me, Today's session is like Charlotte is talking to 18-year-old Nema because I love reading books. And ideally, when you read a lot, you eventually tend to go through wanting to write also. And I have been toying with the idea ever since I was that young. But again, you'll be told what kind of career is that. Uh, there's no money there. Like, you can be a JK Rowling in Tanzania. So... Uh, I'm excited because you will help me answer some of the questions that I have. And maybe finally, I will have a career to retire into uh, from my normal day job. And also, so now, how do I know Charlotte? I met Charlotte the first time. It was at a poetry event. I was there with Yakimushi. She's one of the rich aunties. And she was performing a piece. I really loved it. And I, uh, after that, we kept on bumping each other into other poetry and live music events. And I remember when I, I started doing my first Rich Auntie Masterclass, Charlotte was gracious enough to host the first live we had together. I had never done a live. I've not done another one ever since then. I think I did only two and stopped. Uh, but she was the one who posted our first uh, Instagram live and she was the first person to sign up for the class and she's been very supportive. It's people like Charlotte that make you keep going and pushing until now we are here as rich aunties. So Charlotte, thank you very much for being you. You are a very kind soul uh, and I know this from interactions with you uh, and I see how you are around other people. So thank you for that. Now, that is my introduction of you. I would love for you to do one Thank of your you. and tell us everything about oh, yourself. Wow. Wow, what an amazing introduction. Thank you so much, Nema. That was really, really wonderful. But I have to say that the support is, you know, it's genuine because I love the work that you do. And I feel like it's crucial. It's important. And when you started your classes, I had just completed reading uh, Smart Money Woman. And I think now there's Smart Money Tribe as well. So I had just finished reading this book that was about financial literacy, but it was in story format. And um, it's by a Nigerian author, I Aris. Her name, the first name is Aris. I forget the last name. And maybe um, some of you listening already know her. So I had just finished reading that book. And then here comes Nema and she's doing a class. And I, you know, I just was like, this is great. This is wonderful. More people should know about it. So I'm so honored and privileged to be here on this, uh, on the podcast today. Um, thank you so, so much. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, so uh, I grew up in the Middle East 
And then from there, I studied in Malaysia for a little bit. And then eventually I ended up working in America. Um, actually, in America, I was an actress. I was an actress for about seven years. And then, uh, but before that, I had worked in journalism and media. Um, so I, I did a bit of that. So I'd always kind of, I've been in that realm of writing. I was a journalist and a producer, excuse me. And then I, I went into acting in America. I lived in uh, New York and I did some theater there. And then I went to um, LA where I started doing commercials and film and so, and voiceover as well. I started voiceover acting. And then um, three years ago, I moved here. I relocated, I moved back home. This was around uh, COVID time. I When COVID had just started Huku Tanzania, I moved here. Um, and so that's a little bit about me. And besides that, I'm very, very passionate about writing and I'm very, very passionate about the creative art. Thank you, Charlotte. That's a very detailed profile. So I've seen you've moved, you've been around. So it comes with a mostly mm -hmm. mind exposure. So you are open minded about most things. Uh, and that's why I tell people you need to get out there, open your mind and it's, anything can be possible. And I feel mm -hmm. like you're the right person to have this conversation with. So what inspired you mm -hmm. to start writing and why did you decide that this is going to be a career for you? Okay, so it, honestly, I can't say that I decided to write. It was something that I just used to do when I was very little I almost feel like I want to say writing chose me I didn't choose it and it's uh, been you know I started off with a little journal a little journal and then I used to write little stories and then I would force my family to sit and listen to my stories and then you know and so that that was how I was when I was younger and then growing up those stories then became radio segments <laughs> And then they became, uh, you know, back in the day when we had Facebook, they became Facebook stories. I made new friends just from writing on my Facebook. Back then we had um, Facebook notes. And so I would write these short stories and I would make friends internationally. And up to today, I still am uh, very friendly with some of the, the I like I have a small international writing community just because of posting stories and, and little things like that. And then eventually I... Um, now I'm a columnist, but this is not my first time being a columnist. I also had another column when I was in the Middle East. And so I've I've been writing and writing has chosen me. So I think when you ask what inspired me, I really don't know. It just happened. It always was. So I, I don't really have an answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So my other question would be, I know you have a book. I know. You know, mm -hmm. the rich aunties and the yes. audience doesn't know. So tell us a little bit about your book. I have a copy of your book. I have read your book and I do plan to reread it. But tell us a bit about it uh, and then we can get into other mm -hmm. questions after that. Okay, well, my book is actually, it's a book of poetry and short stories. So that was actually my debut. The book is called The Color of Promise. And I published that book when I was acting in New York. Work. And I mean, sorry, in Los Angeles. And so that book was really an expression of who I was at that time. 
Um, and it, it's really an expression of my femininity and also celebrating my identity as a Black woman in, in America at that time. Um, so that's essentially it. Of course, there's other, the, the whole process of writing The Color of Promise is very, very um, therapeutic for me. And um, I the, the book itself is named after a monologue that's written in there. And that monologue is inspired by my mom. And so I grew up outside. And one of the things about growing up as a foreigner is that, especially as a black foreigner, is that there is a, such a thing as racism. So I did grow up with racism and I had to learn how to be comfortable in my skin, fight for myself at a very, very young age because people would look at the color of my skin and discriminate. So then um, the, the, the monologue is inspired by a mother who is talking to her child who, and they are foreigners. And she says, you know what? She's talking to her child and um, she is expressing that you are the color of promise. Your skin is a promise that God gave me, like God fulfilled his promise and delivered you to me. So that is what your skin represents. So while others may discriminate, know your true value, know your true purpose, and you are the color of, your skin is the color of promise. So that is what the one of the aspects of the book, the book has many, many different elements and there's lots of poems and, you know, short stories, things like that. There's also things that are a little bit dark, but it was, it's mainly a very, therapeutic journey for me but also a celebration and it's just something that I wanted to share and express with uh, lovers of poetry and lovers of short stories and literature. Well, that's awesome um, and I would I would ask anybody if you are keen please do get the book it's on Amazon but you can also get it directly from Charlotte so please do that mm -hmm. we're here to support local artists authors because we need to keep this thing moving um mm -hmm. can you describe your typical writing process is there a process or does it just happen and this is coming from somebody who has book drafts like i have yeah production i have the outline mm -hmm. i don't know you should see my google drive it's crazy in there so what's the process okay so i feel like creatively um, the, my process is very similar to yours. It's very crazy. I understand it. Other people looking <laughs> and maybe even other writers looking in may not understand, but I understand it. And there's plenty of outlines. Um, but I will say creatively, um, there, for example, if I'm writing a story or some sort of longer narrative, I always have an, an outline. And then um, let's say if I'm writing a scene of some sort, I always try to map out the scene. There's always an outline. Um, I even I, I believe that I'm someone who can be very structured. It may not appear that way, but there is a there's a method to my madness. And so everything, like even scenes, especially, it's all mapped out. This is going to happen, then the middle is, and this is going to happen, and it's going to end this way. That needs to, I know that I need to hit those targets. And so when it comes to writing something like dialogue and scripts, then I, I already know the events, but then what it's like filling out or coloring in a, a, a drawing. So that's what dialogue is. However, the events I've already mapped out. And so creatively, um, there's always an outline. And then when it comes to other uh, more practical writing, I would say, yes, there's also 
an outline. There's also a structure there. Um, the only thing that I can say that is very loose for me in terms of writing is poetry. I can just be inspired by something visual or maybe even something I've heard, music, and I just maybe come up with a phrase and then I'll keep that phrase in my notebook. I have a notebook wherever I go. If I don't have my notebook, I have a million notes on my notes app and I'll just write a phrase. I'll come back to it later. That phrase can become a whole poem when, when the inspiration strikes. So that's um, a little glimpse into the, the method or that I use. Okay, that's interesting. So for me, okay, I do do poetry. I have a book on Amazon, and it's poetry. Do you know when, like, the only time I'm able to do poetry, no, not that way. The time that I've done poetry is when I'm going through a very shitty relationship and it's toxic. Mm. And when I'm going yeah. through it, that's when it's exciting, when it goes and then it goes, it plateaus, then we're done and then we're healing because that's the book that I wrote. That was the whole journey. And I am really trying right mm. now to not I don't want it to be based off my emotions I, I want to be able to write mm -hmm. at any time and I tried mm -hmm. a challenge for <clears throat> September mm -hmm. I ended up day seven, mm -hmm. seven, so we shall see how we will try again <laughs> we'll always try again but I think yeah. uh, right yes whatever you want keep on trying yeah and I think it's usually different mm -hmm. from a person to a person sometimes you get inspiration in the middle of something your boss says and you're like where's my phone I need to put this in but you can't but yeah mm -hmm. that's why we have not yeah. everything mm -hmm. so yes just yes I do not trust myself I never trust myself I always say no I write it down because you will forget and that it's it's happened I think it happened last year I had an idea for something and when I say last year this just goes to show you that I always always write it down I do not trust my own memory to remember something that inspired me so um, yeah that's one rule or one key that I would give other fellow writers always write it down don't rely on your memory um, because what happened last year was that the feeling of the inspiration lingered with me and I was like oh it was so whatever it was that inspired me was so beautiful I only wish I could remember it so you see what kind of a problem that is I can't remember it you know Mm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. so I've seen that so you've spoken about you do poetry and I do also know that you write for it's the citizen right you have a column yes mm -hmm. um so what what genres or types of writing do you specialize in and what is your favorite because I see your beat because I'm so sure you'd say I even do plays <laughs> Yes, yes. So uh, the other thing I did when I was in LA was I was also a screenwriter. So I wrote for television and I did skits and things like that. Um, and uh, when I was in New York, I also wrote a tiny little bit of theater, um, just a tiny bit. So yes, I uh, when I was there, my a lot of my writing was very creative. And so now I that I've relocated, I'm back here. You mentioned that, yes, I do write for The Citizen. Um, I cover events, but I also have my own column. And um, other than that, I, I still pursue, I'm pursuing a freelance uh, writing journey. And so recently things have been very good and I've been able to land quite a few projects and it's just been such a huge learning curve, a wonderful learning curve. Um, and so I 
specialize in content writing. That's my specialty. That is the service that I provide for other people. However, I have found myself, because another thing that I'm learning on this freelance journey is to listen to the market. That's what I'm learning. So, um, and so in that, and just being, you know, just listening to the market and then wanting to serve, I've ended up doing um, translation, uh, you know, for business documents. I also do business documents. Like, um, so I've started doing that and I've also done uh, proofreading and um, uh, script translations. So that's what I've done. Um, and then I'm trying to think what, oh, and then I've been also ghost writing. I have ghostwritten some books for other writers, but because of the contract that I signed, I'm not allowed to talk about it. And so I've been doing a lot of writing this year for other um, for other people. And that's that's been because um, I, I really was trying to focus on building myself as a freelance writer. So that's been a lot of what I've been doing this year. Um, but as for my favorite my favorite will always be creative writing. It will always be creative writing. And so this year, um, as I was writing for, as I was and am writing for others, because it's a service and I'm just one person. And so I, you know, I'm, a, this is my business. This is what I do. Um, I've found myself really, really missing the creative and just wanting to like, oh, find time to write a poem, find time to do this. And so recently you you mentioned that you did a, a challenge last month and you ended up on day seven. I'm starting my own challenge as well, where I'm embracing my um just I'm embracing my personal what I, I wrote this down the other day, my personal um kind of like my my per, it's a my personal plan basically where um, I, I accept that I, I have time constraints. I accept that there are other things that take priority and precedence when it comes to my work. However, I will give myself um, like even 10 minutes, five minutes just to write something creative. So that's what I've been doing. And I have little scribbles, little notes. I'll come back to it maybe at the end of the year and look and see what I've come up with and see what truly speaks to me. But yes, I, and so for me, there's no date of like day, day one, day two. It's just whenever I get a chance, because like I said, I've been doing a lot of writing for other people, but I said, I'm not going to let my creativity be stifled just because there's something else that is a priority right now. And so I I have a lot of little notes, little scribbles and yeah, but as when, uh, to answer your question about what is my favorite, it's, it will always, always be creative writing and storytelling. Just that is, that is where I want to be forever. Amen, and it shall be. There's a question from Nuru. Um, must a yes. writer of poems be able to perform them, or is it okay to just write? Oh, I believe it's okay to just write. There's quite a few uh, writers that I follow whose work I've never seen them perform. And uh, one of them I follow on social media and she is a writer that has social anxiety. She says that she has social anxiety, but her work is so beautiful and it really really speaks to me so even just the written word it speaks to me and I I feel like that just reading it is so powerful so I it's great if you can do both because I also really enjoy 
listening to authors and, and poets read their own work in their own voice. Um, so even when I go out and, you know, get an audiobook, I love listening to the audiobook and it's the original writer's disappointed if I download something on audible and then it's like it's it's not read by the author I'm a little bit disappointed I'm not gonna lie and so it's just wonderful to be able to do both but do you have to do both no I don't think so yeah yeah because my book no matter how successful mm -hmm. it is I've never performed any of my recordings mm -hmm. so no, no it's okay just write share your work to the world let us see mm -hmm. that beautiful uh gift that god has given you now let's go back to the freelancing mm -hmm. journey because at the end of the day we want to make money yes. in this writing thing so what how did you yes. start out how did you start out how did you set yourself up in a way that you're getting all these gigs mm -hmm. you're writing you're ghostwriting getting contracts because it's important yes. to eat. at the end of the day we don't want you to be a struggling artist absolutely 100% struggling artist is 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 just not a vibe it's not don't if you can avoid it avoid it by all costs but um i'll just be very transparent and i'll speak my truth here so i mentioned before that i was an actress and i in uh, in america and i've been an actress for 7 years right before that i was in print and journalism however i had just been acting for most of my career and when I relocated here, I did get a job. I was working for a company where I was doing a lot of creative things and it was really great. Um, and I did that for about a year. However, and they paid well, they paid well by like for the, for, for standard, like for what I, the standards of what I believe is, is, you know, well over here. Um, because there's, there's the thing is when I moved, um, there's a different standard when it comes to money. That's I, I think that's the simplest way to put it, you know, and I know that when I moved here as well, I was told, you know, there's a job deficit, there's a job deficit, it's really hard to get opportunities and work and things like that. I didn't understand it. I was very privileged because when I moved here, I almost got, you know, what happened actually was that that same event that you saw me um, with uh, performing my poetry, uh, it was, uh, I got a job from that, you know, so, so I landed a career almost straight away and so um yeah and then that lasted a year but after that however um when that contract ended I was looking for new opportunities however the pay did not make sense to me um and I wanted it to be within the same uh you know I wanted to do the same things that I was doing in that company however the the pay was not making sense and I said okay what can I do and I said, all right, well, what, what is your background? I, asked, I had to ask myself some questions. What, what is your background? What can you do? Because you're looking for jobs, but things aren't quite going how you would hoped. And the salaries that people are offering are not quite what you're looking for. And so I said, okay, well, instead of spending so much time looking, because job hunting is almost a job as well. Like you put so much effort into looking for a job. And so I said, okay, let me start doing this for myself. And I just felt like there was a time when my back was against the wall and I felt like I had no choice. This is the only way forward. And um, right now, I'm glad that things are that way because the freelance journey has taught me so much about myself. I would not trade who I am for who I used to be. 
And it's just taught me so, so much. And it's been a huge gift. <laughs> it was a, it was disguised, but it was, it's still a gift. And so, um, yeah, so the freelance journey, um, it's just been very, very, like you, you, it forces you to put yourself out there. So when I started, I had to ask myself, what do I, they were, I had a huge limiting belief. That was one of the main things. And you really, really have to confront yourself. I think there is a kind of privilege that you don't realize that you have when you are working for someone else, unless you're someone who's like a very hard worker. And, you know, and, and to be honest, to be frank, I think I had for a long time and I had just been someone who was privileged in many ways. It's not, I'm not going to say that I didn't work hard or I was lazy or something, but I was just privileged. And so when I was in LA, I was running on um, passion. You know, I was like, okay, I'm fueled by my passion. Therefore I can keep acting. I can keep auditioning. I can keep doing voiceover because I'm passionate about it. And I had a community of other um, actors who were, who had that same passion. So that was what fueled me. And so when the contract ended and I was looking for a new job, um, I had to, look for a new kind of fuel but then my tank was low when it came to promoting myself and believing in myself and so my mentality was a huge obstacle and I had to and I'm still in the process of doing this but really changing who I think I am and really really truly renewing my mind and you know a lot of it has to do with faith and so you really really like I don't know how to explain it, but it's just you you have to have faith to be a freelancer because it's almost like your clients do come out of thin air because you don't when you when you have a job, I feel like your the work kind of trickles down like your boss tells you what to do next and what to do next and what to do after that. However, when you're a freelancer, you a have to go after clients yourself B. Um, you know, you have to be ready and open to receive new clients, usually by referrals. So I started by just asking myself, what do I have? And all I had at the time was a, what, a WhatsApp. I just had a regular WhatsApp. And remember, I'd only been here for three years. I didn't grow up here. I don't have that huge of a community. And so I said, I have internet, I have WhatsApp, and I have Upwork. So I started there. And then I started putting myself out there slowly. I started telling people I'm a writer. I started creating posts and saying that I'm, I'm a writer and I do this, this, and that. And these are my services. And, you know, slowly but surely, people started coming to me. And that's how I got the ghostwriter opportunities. People want to write books and they uh, learned about me through word of mouth because these people I did not I never had I didn't even put out one single ad um, but they they found me <laughs> you know they found me through word of mouth um, through referrals and this was um, I had started writing and proofreading business uh, documents and so one of the people whose work I was proofreading she recommended me to someone else and then that person recommended so it, it just trickles over and over like someone will recommend you someone will do and so clients just kind of almost come out of thin air and another thing I will mention is LinkedIn I did start a newsletter on LinkedIn and that got a lot of attention even though um, you can say when you look at it, it's like, oh, there's barely any comments, but th there's so many, there's quite a few likes. And even though the likes don't quite make an impression, it still doesn't mean that that person was not impacted in some sort of way because later those likes converted into clients. So you see, they never left a comment for me.
me saying, wow, I really like this newsletter or any, you know, I never got anything like that. It was just a simple click. However, that click, some of those clicks later turned into clients. So I would say you, for me, my journey has been just using the resources I have, word of mouth, LinkedIn, Upwork, and um, but a lot of uh, yeah, word of word of mouth, and then pursuing clients also on social media, pursuing them and studying them, finding out like oh, there's this business. Okay, I'm seeing that their blog is not up to date. Let me reach out to them. So so that's my those are my two cents, I guess you could say. I see yeah. Nuru has a question. Me yeah. Um, just before there's we go to Nuru. Just before we got to mm -hmm. Nura, I just wanted to highlight something you said about you used to put a newsletter on LinkedIn and the likes were not that impressive. So something I've learned, mm -hmm. uh, I had a mentorship with Joel Nanauka uh, last month for the mm -hmm. whole month. And he yeah. said, wow, there's a reason why I've picked you all. And if you ever think that whatever you post on social media, just because you have 4,000 followers, those are the only people who are looking at your post then think again. Mm -hmm. It's like the people who are looking mm -hmm. at them, they will not comment, but there will come a day when they will reach mm -hmm. out and you'll be shocked. Oh, you've been reading my stuff mm -hmm. and all that. So yeah, this is to tell you, just keep pushing, guys. People like, like they ever, the people who reached out to give me work, they never wrote a comment for me at all. They just simply liked it. So I'm thinking, ah, these people, you know how you dismiss you dismiss, uh, for me, I dismiss things quickly. And I said, oh, they're just liking it to be friendly. <laughs> they're mm -hmm. just trying to be nice to me. So they're just liking yeah. my post to be nice. And, you know, maybe they feel obliged because we were on LinkedIn together and they we have a history or something. And, you know, and so they're just trying to be nice and they're liking it. But actually, you know, months later down the line, I got like proper deals mm. and contracts from those people who just simply liked something. Yeah. So Nuru asks, mm -hmm. if you can walk, you can dance. Does that apply to writing that if you can read, then you can write? Interesting. Ah, very interesting. I almost want to disagree. I want to disagree because writing and reading are two different things. I feel like writing in is, is an expression while reading in is a consumption. So when, when you're reading, you're taking it in. Can it help? Can it aid your writing process? Absolutely. But also I would say, especially if, as a creative writer, um, there comes a time when let's say you're creating a new body of work, you actually want to, it's, well, you, you can choose, but for me, I would say sometimes you need to stop reading, stop reading so you can have your own voice because sometimes as you're reading, you're adopting the voice of another writer, especially creatively, this is what I would say. Um, so there, everyone has their own voice, their own style. And so as you're reading other people's style, it can enhance. However, there, there might be a time when you want to actually stop reading and develop your own style, hone your own style, and don't let the style of others influence your style of writing. That's just in the creative terms. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, so we've spoken about freelancing. Uh, I want us to go into self-publishing. Mm -hmm because I know you've done that mm -hmm. and I have done it. But for me, it was from a point of I needed sanity 
I was going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. My dad was in the hospital. We were out and in mm -hmm. and out of the hospital. And eventually he did pass away. But mm -hmm. for me, that was a coping mechanism. And that's why when people ask me, like, did you make cells? I I, I think it gets, mm -hmm. like, the thing gets lost to them. Because my dad always said, uh, always had a saying that, Usue Mwoga wa Maisha. And I felt mm -hmm. like I had all these mm -hmm. points I'd been piling up. Uh, maybe if I publish a book, mm -hmm. maybe you live longer I don't know I don't know what I was thinking but I just needed mm. to get my work mm. out of there so share with us a bit about mm -hmm. your self-publishing journey because mine was coming from a dark place I don't even know how I made mm -hmm. it to Amazon but we made it with a lot of help from yeah. friends and our IT manager at work he was really a big help but yeah so mm -hmm. share with us like how was yeah. that journey Oh, well, I, first of all, I just want to say that I'm so glad you did share your work. I do have your book um, and I have read it, but not it's in, in its entire, entirety, if I have to be honest. But I do have your book and I've, I've already started reading it. Um, and I'm just so glad that you did share your work because your words have power. I truly, truly believe that. Um, but I also believe that for all artists, like your words have power, all writers, all creatives. And so my self-publishing journey journey um, is it was very much inspired I think out of a lighter place but still influenced by relationships I had just kind of um, ended a friendship and looking back I feel like sometimes and this is because I noticed that this is it, it can be kind of a pattern it would or at least it's repeated itself twice in my life I was holding on to someone that I feel like I should have let us part ways, you know? And so anyways, we were ending the friendship. And from there, I just kind of felt lighter. I said, you know what? Let me go into my creativity. But I was very inspired. And, I, and it dawned on me like, hold on, you... I, you already have so much because remember, it's a compilation of poems, a compilation of short stories. So it was also a matter of me going into my own archives and selecting what do I want to publish? What do I not want to publish? What can I spruce up? What can I change just to make the work cohesive and, you know, well put together? And um, yeah, and then what can I add? So the process of doing all of that, I believe was somewhere around two weeks. And so, yeah, just, it was a matter of me because over the years I had been writing and writing and writing and writing and never not sharing all of it, you know? And so there was quite a few things that had not been shared. And so it was just a matter of compiling everything. And then from there, once I'd compiled everything and put everything together, I, um, I decided, okay, how do I get this work out there? And at the time it was uh, Kindle, you know, Amazon Kindle. That was the route that I decided to go in. Um, I did do my research. I did do a little bit of research. There were other options available to me. And this was um, back when I was in LA. So there are other publishing platforms, but then I just looked at the wide reach that Amazon Kindle has. And I said, yes, I think this is the right platform for me. And when I published, I was able to share with my international community and they were able to also support. So that's how the self-publishing journey came for me. I think I was also very eager to publish. Um, and I just really wanted to get my work out there. Um, yeah, but looking back and now being where I am now and helping other writers to not make the same mistakes that I did, <laughs> um, I can say 
if you're going to publish a book, do have a marketing strategy. I know that now, and I've helped others do it for themselves. However, when I published my book, it wasn't quite like that. I was very lucky, though, because I did have quite a following. And this was... Um, I had a bit of a following on Facebook and um, what? Oh, oh yeah. And then there was also Instagram a little bit, but most of my, uh, the people who purchased my book at the time were from Facebook. So we were speaking about self-publishing. So what are you, your best writing tools? Do you have tools? Do they exist or softwares? What do you use? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, there are tools and it depends what you're using it for. For example, um, but in terms of self-publishing, um, maybe I can talk about ghostwriting because uh, it seems like these questions are more geared towards the creative. Um, but so when the last clients that I had that I ghost uh, wrote for them, um, of course, you know, the tools that I use are um, just the regular, I have a word document and then that has a spell checker over there. Um, and then of course there's word tune and, um, also AI using AI to help. Um, cause some, sometimes there was like a client that English was not their first language and there was something that they were trying to say and I was trying to get a hold of them and I couldn't reach them and so I'm like okay what is I don't understand the structure of the sentence I'm not sure what it's really trying to convey so I I use chat GPT and I use WordTune to help me to understand or try to you know because the thing is, they had also written a note in Kiswahili. And I was like, okay, like I also couldn't translate. <laughs> I couldn't translate it back to English. And I was thinking like, okay, what do I do here? What do I do? So this is where AI had to come in and help me. And I was like, okay, then now we, we, we've gotten somewhere. And so there's that thing of like, translation and there's just other complex elements so I would and also another tool that I highly highly recommend it's free YouTube because there's a lot of things when it comes to self-publishing and um, composition things like that and you know I don't know everything a lot of the times um, I'm learning as I go uh, and and I also just as a freelancer especially one of the things I do appreciate is continuous learning. And I try to put myself in the position of, I don't know. Yes, okay, I might've written a hundred proposals. I might've, uh, you know, proofread a million CVs, but I always try to pretend or think to myself whenever I get new work, like, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. So so this way, when I approach things with an attitude or mentality of, I, I don't know, and also realizing that there's things that I don't know, I, I then have to do further research to learn. So I use every new work that I have as an opportunity to learn. I'm like, is there a new way of doing this? Is there a new software that I don't know about? But so far for me, I just stick with WordTune and um, Google Docs and then sometimes ChatGPT. That's the only thing that I would, and YouTube, of course, because there's certain things where I have to learn the structure and YouTube is such an amazing teacher for me. Um, so there's people out there who give out information for free. And even when it came to self-publishing, at the time, the process for it, you know, the and it was so complex and I'm like, okay, now I have to sit here. So I remember um, taking, I think it was almost three days. I had compiled a list 
a playlist for myself of of uh, people who have self-published before. And I tried to learn what were their challenges? Oh, what did they do? What was the solution? What was this? What was that? So then people are just giving out information for free on YouTube. So I that's another huge, huge, huge tool that I think is very, very helpful. Right there in your mm -hmm. professional writing that you do, how mm -hmm. do you do your research, your fact checking before maybe you put out an article? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this uh, is mainly, okay, yeah, it's when I put out an article, when I'm proofreading, and also when I write uh, for others sometimes. I do have to fact check and make sure that my information is correct. Um, so I, I've, I think the more you spend, more time you spend online, the more you learn what's credible, what's not. Um, I think that's as simple as I can put it. There's a lot of fake news out there. And there are just some places that you just know, like, for example, it's very um, like we would say CNN or BBC Al Jazeera or maybe even, um, you know, uh, you know, these are these are credible sources, you know, and then I also look at comments when I'm on a, a web page that's new. I look at the comments and then I also try to um, go back to the original. Maybe someone is quoting someone. I like that quote or they've stated a statistic and I, I think I want to include it. So I go back. I try to backtrack and see, OK, who else said this? Where did the where did it originate from? So that's what I, I try to look at. So. I think it's also just judgment. The longer you spend time online, the more you start to understand what's credible, what's not. And there's just certain websites that you 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 own, you have your own discernment where you say, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know, you know. And so even recently I was writing for a, an event and one of the speakers had said something and I said, mm, let me let me write that down, but let me look into it later. And so I did. And I think there was just a little miscommunication or or a little I'm not gonna it's, it wasn't a lie but it was just something that if we just needed to tweak it a little bit to make it true okay. <laughs> if, if you understand what I, yeah yeah mm -hmm. so and I okay. and for that I had to go on the United Nations webpage to just make sure before I I, I, I publish it mm -hmm. yeah okay that's that's interesting um, and I know as mm -hmm. also professional speakers, we have a responsibility to always uh, cross-reference and fact-check whatever we say on mm -hmm. stage. It is, it is even more, it's better you say, I do not know, mm -hmm. or I'm not so sure who said this, than to say, mm -hmm. like, or just omit the whole information than to give out wrong information. Absolutely. So that's one thing yes. I learned from my um, mentorship session uh, last month. So so now you see how it affects even the writer on the other end. Plenty of times when I, I wanted to say something, but I but because I'm not sure that it's valid, I had to just omit the whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so what's the most challenging aspect of being a writer in your experience? In my experience, like I said, I struggled with self-doubt. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with being a freelancer because I'm by myself. I think 
like when you're in the office, your boss believes in you and you have other colleagues. So obviously you're a professional, you're in an office, right? And you have a paycheck, so you're doing something. But when I started doing this on my own, something happened and there's just a level of self-doubt. Can I do it? Is it this? And so that was the one of the most challenging things. And, and as I mentioned, I had to really really change who I thought I was. And I had to have quite a few um, self-talks, a lot of prayer, um, and just really, really, like I mentioned, just renew my mind of who I think I am. And so for me, one of those things just comes by, um, you know, the word of God and just like, who does God say I am? <laughs> Let me not believe my own mind in this moment, because my own mind is really, is, is it's a self-limiting belief and it's putting me in a box. So yeah. um yeah, the biggest challenge was overcoming my own self-doubt. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, let's talk about favorites. So mm -hmm. do you have a favorite author? Um, if yes, who? And do you have a favorite piece of work that you've ever done? Mm, oh my goodness, this is such a great question. Uh, do I have a favorite author? There are quite a few authors that really do inspire me and they've written autobiographies and so of course there's a classic Maya Angelou and then there's this other woman she's a Chinese writer her name is Adeline Yen Ma and I will forever remember her book I think that was the first ever um, autobiography I had read I think I was maybe 12 and it was this thick book I remember it was a thick book about you know a, a um, she was a Chinese woman that went into a concentration camp and did it. So she was talking about her life story. And I, I and now that I think of it, like it must have appeared somewhat strange. And I think I was very much a bookworm. My aunt was telling me the other day, she said, you, your head was always in books. Like we didn't know you. We didn't even know you could speak. You were very shy. And so now, you know, she feels like I've sort of blossomed and, and I'm more of a speaker and I express myself in a different way. Um, but yeah, Adeline Yanma is still one of my favorite writers because I think she inspired me to write. And I said, one day I want to write my life story and I want to write just like her. Um, and then of course, there's also Toni Morrison. I really enjoyed the way that she writes. Um, and then as far as my own favorite work, let's say this, my favorite work is, is, yet, to, is yet to transpire. I'll say that. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the, the most obvious question. So you do make money from mm -hmm. writing. Yes. In what ways can one yes. do that? So, okay. So let me say this. Um, so obviously there was like a huge transition when, uh, you know, it, when, when I was in LA and America, like you can make money doing a lot of things and, and you have more at that time, at least I felt like I had, more opportunity for creative ways to make money like being still being an artist still being creative and making money right and I'm still learning how to do that here it's just it and it's just a different landscape over here but once I learn the landscape I believe it's possible I'm a huge believer in dreams and I'm a dreamer I'm that kind of person and so I you know, I, I don't want to give up on dreams. I don't want to dismiss my dreams. No, they are going to happen. We will find a way, you know, we will find a way to live out our dreams and to pursue our passions and, and to um, hone our gifts. Like that's what I believe. And so, um, so learning this landscape, like I said, I had to first 
put myself in the mindset of being a servant. How can I help people with my gift of writing? There aren't many opportunities to write, you know, or to be a part of a righteous room and like, oh, we're just going to write a some like a commercial or write a, a screenplay or something like that. There's that doesn't quite exist in the same capacity here. Right. Um, so then I had to ask myself, what do people need? And so there's a, a there are quite a few things that I had to expand my mind instead of just focusing on the creative. I had to think, what do people need? And so I know I, I want to and I do specialize in content writing. However, um, there's plenty of other things. So um, when it comes to writing, people do need help with quite a few things. And like I mentioned, there's ghostwriting, there's translation, there's uh, transcription. People, sometimes they go into boardrooms and there's just recordings of sessions and things like that. They just need someone to type it out. And then people sometimes need help with their CVs and resumes. And then there's a lot of business and corporate documents that people need to have proofread. So maybe it's not your field. However, someone needs to make sure that the English makes sense because maybe the person or the client that they're presenting to English is their first language or that's, you know, or, or they just want to appear more professional. So then that's where I come in and I clean up the writing to not only enhance it, make it sound more professional. I also correct the grammar and, you know, things like that. And, and so I, and I've, and in that process, I've learned, I've now learned also business, <laughs> business writing. And so, um, Yes. And then there's also people who want to speak and they want to, they have speeches. So you can even become a speech writer. And now social media is on the rise and people need help with captions and, you know, little things like that. So this, this also falls under content and it's something that I do. And I mainly do, and what I, what I aspire to do um, more so is in the realm of web writing, content web writing. That's what I aspire to do more so. However, I'm listening to the market and the market still needs um, ghostwriters. People still want to write books and they just need someone to, some, I sometimes even help navigate like, okay, let's, what if you did this? And what if you did, you did that? I always like to respect the artist's integrity and not take over um, anybody's writing because I have my style and I want to help them develop their style, even if there's a language barrier and um, yeah, someone is there like so that's where I come in and help them and still maintain their artistic integrity. I'm not going to change everything so that it sounds like me. It needs to still sound like that person. Um, so there's quite a few ways in which you can make money. I would just say um, as a writer, be open-minded and aim to serve the community because that's where the money is. The money is in the community and people are always starting new businesses. They always need new web copy and then people are doing newsletters. So that's where the money is. It's in helping and being a servant to other businesses and, and what they need. And so when it comes to creative, um, I would say for now, or at least in my experience, I can't say that here I have seen creative make that much money. However, if you have a plan, because I also am part of a writer's community and there are creative writers in Tanzania who are making money and they're even traveling across Africa just to talk about um, their writing journey. And these are very, very accomplished um, professionals. 
And so what they've done, they have a plan, they have a marketing strategy, and then they they also um, have thought about ways to make money. They have schools that they target. For example, if they know that they've written a creative book and it's uh, it's targeted towards children, they already have built relationships with schools. So you can imagine someone publishes a book today and they have a marketing strategy of First of all, launching the book, they're going to invite this person and that person. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll they'll write about it or, or call the press or something. Um, and then from there, they have schools that they've targeted and they say, OK, I'm going to go to 10 schools and I'm going to invite grade three to four in, in Dar es Salaam. Then I'm going to go to Arusha. I'm going to do, you know, so they've planned their tour. This is how they're being strategic, but also being creative. And so you really, really need to approach these things with strategy and you need to have a plan, especially if you go in the creative route. There's ways to do it. People are doing it. But I would also say with the creatives, you have to make sure that your English, because these are English writers, uh, who are published in Tanzania and but their work is quite exquisite it's amazing like their work is really good and so once you know that you've honed your craft you should then be uh, very strategic there's a way to do it maybe you'll, you'll join us in the writers community so that we can also strategically <laughs> yeah there's ways to do it well strategically yeah. I have I, yes I've observed and I ask questions so I'm uh, kind of, you know, I would say a close acquaintance of two of the writers uh, mm. in this writers group. And um, yes, yeah, so I ask them a lot of questions whenever I have the chance. And then I observe them. I really observe them because also for me, I'm wondering how one of the questions was, how do you make money? And then sometimes it's difficult for someone to just answer that, like, how do you make money? Well, I write and, you know, I do this and this and that. However, once you continuously put yourself in their space you have now now you have the opportunity to to truly observe and I believe even with your um you said you're working with Joel to uh, write your own book but I believe that there's also something about putting yourself in his space you get to observe him in a new in a different way yeah you know you're under his yes. mentorship yeah so you, you get to see him in a different way. And there's things that you can learn that are nonverbal that you learn through seeing and, and through many interactions. And so I believe now that, yes, there's strategies that I've picked up on. However, I may not have been able to pick up on those strategies just through asking. So I would also say to someone who wants to do something um, that someone else is doing, find a way to put yourself in that space because once you're in that space, there's nonverbal cues, nonverbal learning that you can acquire that you, you won't be able to understand just through through a Q&A. You have to put yourself in that person's space and you say, OK, that person is writing and making a living writing and they're doing X, Y, Z. And I want to do that, but I don't know how. I've asked them how they've spoken to me in words. I still don't get it. <laughs> so you need to find a way to put yourself in their space. And 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 from there you will learn and you will come up with strategies. Yeah, so that's true. So with Joel, what I've observed first, Joel has written a lot of books in both languages, but mm -hmm. mostly in Swahili. Yes, he he has a whole bookshop. So I think that's very smart. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can come in and get other yeah. books, but 
So there, here are some of my books. So I think that's smart. And there mm -hmm. are other strategies he uses. Especially yeah. that's, a, that's also like a strategy in itself. So, yeah. So the strategy there, he built a following and now he has his own bookshop. So everything is under his name, under his ownership. So it's a strategy. So if he can do it, other people can do it. Try to let you've already accomplished this by putting yourself in his space. And so you know, other people, I would say also try to find ways to put yourself in, in, in there, in, in that space, in that, in that atmosphere, almost, I want to say you, you, there's things that you'll pick up on and things that you'll learn that you can't learn through Q&A or even through listening. Yes. Uh, thank you, Charlotte. Now I want us to close this discussion and I'll ask you a question I've not asked in a while. If you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self about money? Wow. Ooh. What would I tell myself about money? I would tell myself that money matters and you are responsible for your own financial literacy. Start learning today. And you're you reading one page at a time, you don't understand anything. Just start like rereading, rereading, and read at, at least learn what you can, learn what you can, and just just put in more effort into becoming a financially literate person. It's it's my own, it's your own responsibility. That's what I would tell my younger self. I love that. I love that. Uh Shal, thank you so much for your time. Um, and I, I have learned so much. I believe the ladies too. Um, so mm -hmm. before we close, any parting shots for the listeners on the podcast? And then we can close this session. Ah, uh, so I would um okay. Well, I think for me the the major thing right now, and I think I've mentioned this a couple of times already, is I would encourage anyone listening to truly change who they think they are if they feel like they're struggling with self-doubt um and one of the ways to go about that I would say is through journaling write down your limiting beliefs and then counter that with experiences that completely negate it or somehow challenge that belief so if you believe for example I am a writer and Writer, writers don't make money so therefore I will always be poor or I won't I'll never become affluent one of the things you can do is you can observe others who are already doing it so then therefore your statement it already becomes untrue it already challenges the, the limiting belief and then again like I said put yourself in a space where um, even if it's a seminar and you're watching the person but at least you're in a space where you are seeing with your own eyes that someone is successful in that space. So I, I would say, um, yes, and journal, journal, and even use scripture, go back into the Bible, learn what God says about you and stand on that, believe that, change who you think you are if you feel like you're struggling with self-doubt because self-doubt is, you know, it's it's not serving you. That's That's what I would say. And I would just really encourage you to change your mind because your mind can be changed and you can go, you know, and you can, things can happen and you can go from believing 
you are one thing to the next day becoming something else that is completely, absolutely extraordinary. And so change your mind. That's what I would say. And that's, I think, a message that I need and I'm still working on for myself. I'm changing my mind about who I thought I was. And truly, I have seen the results and it's amazing. And God is so good. He comes through in ways that you cannot believe. Um, but I, I definitely have to do the work in terms of changing my mind about who I thought I was. That's beautiful. Uh, Charlotte, thank you. I have enjoyed myself. Thank you for the, your time. Thank you, Nema. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you. Yes. So um, I will end this here. Ladies, thank you for your time also. I hope. Thank you so I much, ladies. We'll have writers. And if you need guidance, Charlotte is in the group, guys. Just reach out anytime. Yes. I'm so open to help. She's always helping. She's such a beautiful soul. So thank you, Charlotte, and everybody. Thank have you, Nema. So are you. Hola, my good names are Nema Christopher Chami, your host of the Rich Auntie Chats podcast. I welcome you to dive with us into topics on personal finance and intentional living. Today is a new day. We have a new episode. So hop in and let's learn together. But do not forget to subscribe and leave a review from wherever platform you're listening us to. Thank you, Nakaribu Sana.